Hey everybody, welcome back to Studio HFL. I'm Larry Powell, your host for this podcast. I'm glad you're back for another interview. I'd like to let you know that this podcast is made possible by the generous support of my new co-sponsor, Messina Covers. David and Erica design and deliver both high-quality customer service and products, both standard and custom. Be sure to check them out at www.messinacovers.net. And Messina is spelled M-E-S-S-I-N-A-C-O-V-E-R-S. They offer their support through Patreon. Patreon is a funding platform where you can offer your financial support to this podcast, and your help will go towards hosting, production, and marketing fees. There are several tiers of support offered, and you can check out how you'd like to support this podcast at www.patreon.com slash studiohfl, and Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. You can also offer support by providing comments and a rating on whatever platform you use to get your podcasts. If you'd like to receive news regarding interviews, new guests, access to Studio HFL merchandise, please subscribe to the newsletter by going to www.powellmusic.net and click on the subscribe to newsletter link. And of course, Powell Music, P-O-W-E-L-L-M-U-S-I-C dot net. And now, on with the interview. I bill it as, these are interviews with legends. <clears throat> And legends in the making. And oh, I was depressed about the the Basie thing, you know. And uh, my wife says, "Just think of it this way: you used to be famous, now you're just legendary. <laughs> now you're just legendary." <laughs> Why? Well, I, I think you still. I think you're still famous. So well, uh, we'll see. So here we are, Mike Williams with uh, P. Is it Moriat? P. Moriat. With P. Moriat. How long have you been with that company? About eight years. Yeah. yeah. Responsible for some development of the trumpets or just a... Uh, just a... Performing artist? Performing artist, yeah. 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 I actually like the horn. Oh, well, yeah, of course. I mean, you wouldn't play it if you oh, didn't like it, right? Oh, there's people out there that are playing... Oh, just for the endorsement? You see, I can't even talk about it. I can't use names <laughs> because I think... Well, it just, just whisper. <clears throat> I, they, they, nobody else will hear. Oh, He's the biggest whore of all. Oh my gosh. <clears throat> oh. He's been well, with every that's company that I know of. Well, Doc <laughs> has been around a bunch of different co- companies too. You said it. I didn't say it. Of course I said it, but I said it because, you know, I'm with Shires and he's with Shires, so we're he safe. He was. Well, he still is. He's oh, still he, a Shires oh, guy. Oh, yeah. That, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember, yeah, he was. I remember one of the first big things from Doc, it was the Gatson, remember? Oh, Back yeah. Back in the 70s? Oh, yeah. The problem was getting one of his horns that would play, and he knew the deal. <clears throat> He'd go to high schools and play ten of them. And said, "This is my horn." Yeah, you know. Yeah. So uh, I came to know about you through the uh, the Basie band. Mm-hmm. Um, you sound fantastic. I mean, you Thank still you. sound fantastic, but man, uh, that band swings too. They swing hard. It did. Sure did. Yeah. yeah. So you were with them for how long? 31 years. And you've been out for how long now? It sounds like you've been paroled for how long now? <laughs> <laughs> I've been paroled since August, so that will be, oh, almost a year coming oh, up. Oh, is it just a year? Yeah. 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 Well, still have nightmares about three nights a week. Not nightmares about it sucked me with the band. Nightmares about just 
like I'm on the road and it's with the band, oh, the right. bassy band. Right. And this the regular nightmare. Uh, you can't find your horn. I I, oh. I, I couldn't <laughs> read the music. Oh jeez. The mouthpiece is is this big. Right. And oh, and the bell the bell is melting and. Wow. Uh, those night the regular nightmares that right. people have. You know. Right. <laughs> so have those uh, dissipated since since you've oh, been out? Not not at all. Not at all. <laughs> wow. Well, I'm sorry that we brought it up. I hope this is not going to cause additional therapy to be... Uh... Additional therapy. <laughs> well, don't we all have some therapy of some sort? Yeah. Yeah, right. So, well, uh, you tell me a little bit about your time with the band. Oh, okay. Um, well, first of all, I'm, I say this a lot. It was a great ride. What I got to do with the band... In a nutshell, uh, how many recordings? Maybe, I don't know, maybe a 10, 10, 10 to 20 recordings. Wow. Three Grammys. Yeah, congratulations. Um, uh, uh, one with a, a George Benson mm -hmm. that was under uh, Frank Foster, and uh, two under... Grover Mitchell, we did one live at Manchester Craftsman's Guild, and the New York Voices were on that one, mm -hmm. and we didn't win it because of them. Actually, they got to, to get a Grammy oh. because they were with us, but it was not even there. It was like the best arrangement or sure. something, sure. and uh, and then one that was a lot of Alan Ferguson arrangements and Bob Ojeda. Alan Ferguson was a big Hollywood writer, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you've and those that have never heard him have, have heard his music and didn't know it, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. You know, like a Neil Hefty was Batman, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Sure. A lot of people don't even know that. Yeah. I think Neil Hefty did Batman. Uh, I didn't know that. I honestly didn't know that. But I, you said Hefty, and I'm thinking back to all the charts I played, oh, which yeah. are just great charts. Well, well, that and boom, ba -dum, ba -dum, ba -dum, ba -boo, ba -da, ba -do. No kidding. Ba -ba ba -ba ba -ba. I think Alan Ferguson did like Mary Tyler Moore show. I may be wrong on that. But anyway, mm -hmm. he did this thing. It was called Count Plays Duke. Mm -hmm. And so we did a bunch of Duke. Won a Grammy for that. So three Grammys. Okay, mm -hmm. cool. All right. Um, in the 31 years, the travel, I, I'm a road rat. I still get depressed if I'm at the house too long. Mm -hmm. I know I've been overseas. A hundred times. Yeah. Right at about a hundred times. Because wow. we always went overseas. Right. At least three times a year. And three times 30. Well, and Basie was big over there. I mean, he's always been big overseas. Oh. <laughs> Japan. Japan has a community of jazz lovers. And some of these jazz lovers are staunch Basie fans, mm. they have what they call amateur bands over there, mm -hmm. which we would call a reading band maybe over here. Sure. And uh, they work in the factory or uh, they, they do their jobs. In, in Japan, their culture, uh, a lot of times, like we're like family oriented mm -hmm. and, and then the job. But over there, the company expects you to be company first, family second mm. a lot of times. So one of their escapes is to have these amateur bands. And... Some of those bands play nothing but Basie. 
that's all, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And I've got a lot of friends o- over the 30 years that I was growing old with, mm-hmm. which I may never see those cats again. I gotta get over there just to visit. But, mm-hmm. but They'd uh, give an excuse to travel. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I loved it, but so, a hundred times overseas, uh, probably, I think I played in 44 countries. I think I counted <laughs> them, so I think it's about 44. Mm-hmm. Three Grammys. Um, and when I got in the band, especially the in 87, the mm-hmm. first 15 years was... And, and you've been lead trumpet the whole time, right? Yeah, well, that's another story. But um, <coughs> the first 15 years was like, a dream. I caught the tail end of the tail end mm. of an era. Mm-hmm. Everybody was still alive. Mm-hmm. All those cats, uh, Sweets Edison, Clark Terry, all yep. those kind of people were were still alive. And we, I remember going to the JVC Jazz Festival in Nice, France, the Grand Pré du Jazz. And we'd play at these old Roman ruins when, in, in Nice, France, six summers in a row. <laughs> Everybody was still alive, and it was the best hang. I remember we and they had three stages at this jazz festival. I remember sitting on whichever stage and look over, and there's be Al Gray, Clark Terry, Benny Golson. Just pulling up chairs and just sitting next to the band, mm-hmm. like in the audience. No, they just got to come up and sit with us, yeah. and that's the way it was. And it was such a good time. So, and the last fifteen years of the Basie Band is just a a blur of one nighters and, and and great gigs, mm-hmm. but a lot of the same venues, mm-hmm. you know, that go every year. But that first 15 years, it was, it was something else. And like in 1989, under Frank Foster, we did a Columbia Artist Tour. It started in California, went on a Greyhound. We never owned our own bus. It was always a charter. We had the, the TM, whatever, the, the Greyhound-style bus. Mm-hmm. California all the way across America, shot up to Ottawa, Canada, came back down, we ended in New Jersey. I thought it was like a month, but some of my comrades said, no man, that that was a two month tour. And I seem to remember the number 25 states we may have played in. Okay, so this Columbia Artist Tour, and we flew once, we had one day off that was going to be a long, long bus ride mm-hmm. where the bus kept going and we flew that time. But the artists on the bus for two months, Dizzy Gillespie and Billy Eckstein. Jeez. They don't call him Dizzy for nothing. That was some crazy, crazy stuff. Yeah. And uh, it was just sitting back and shutting up and listen, listening it to them cats, man. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the, if I ever put out a book, this will be in there. This is the and uh, other people in the Basie band that it was that were there as long as myself say the same thing. That was the highlight of, of 
mm-hmm. the, their life was basic mm-hmm. on the basic bed. Mm-hmm. And uh, but the funniest story, I think we're in some port, Mid America, Lincoln, Nebraska, or something. Big hall, like two thousand people. Mm-hmm. So Dizzy, we let Dizzy, go, uh, Billy go first, and then Dizzy would come out and do his show, and we were mm-hmm. playing his charts. Mm-hmm. We weren't like back there playing some shiny stockings and dizzy playing over. No, we mm-hmm. were playing his things to come and his sweet Lorraine mm-hmm. and bump 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 you know mm-hmm. his stuff. Mm-hmm. And he had a wireless mic. Back in it was kind of the beginning of the wireless mic. It clipped on the bell. Yeah. And the brains with a big antenna sitting by the guitar amp, mm-hmm. na- uh, na- the guitar player mm-hmm. on stage. And we go out there, and Billy comes out, and he's going, "Beautiful girl, you know, everything I have is yours." And you hear (laughs) coming through the house, (laughs) and we're looking around, and Carmen Bradford was with us at the time. Yeah, I was playing fourth. I'll tell you the story later. Byron was was playing lead. I was on hold Mm -hmm. on fourth trumpet Mm -hmm. because they knew Byron wouldn't get a hang around. Mm -hmm. So they they had me on hold Mm -hmm. and uh, he left during that tour and I just scooted over and said, okay. (laughs) But anyway, (laughs) Carmen's going pointing toward the the wireless brains and Byron almost broke his neck trying to get down there and turn it off. (laughs) Dizzy was in the bathroom, flatulating. Oh no, he wasn't his flapping his chops. He was. He was farting on the <laughs> microphone, baby. That's it. He's all out there. That is some. Of, that's why they call. Don't call him dizzy for nothing, man. That was the highlight. That might be the best story I've career. had to this point. Oh, <laughs> you can't top that. You can't even make that up. So you know it's true. But dizzy, you know, he pissed me off some. He would be smoking these. Cuban cigars on the bus. And they stank. Mm. Those Cohibas, oh my God. He left one in my seat. For the rest of the tour, I had to smell that that stank. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because when Mm -hmm. you, on the bus, your seat was a side seat. If anybody got on there and didn't know the rules and would sit in your seat, Mm -hmm. no, they had to leave your apartment, you know. So I had to sit with that dadgum cigar smell. Mm. Yeah, but when I got on the band in 87, Byron had left the band to go do Satchmo, the musical on Broadway. Mm-hmm. And they said, okay, Byron, go do your thing. When the show closes, you can come back. So they did say, okay, mm-hmm. go do your thing. You're still a member. You can come back. They went through like six lead players in six months, they told wow. me. And uh, for whatever reason, you know, there's, of course, the, the lead thing in a Vasey band is there's a lot of things that you have to do different than other bands. Mm-hmm. We can talk about that. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, sure enough, man, my first gig, I was on the Miller Band. And back then, we traveled with a lot of stuff. Now you, you get 50 pounds, right? Mm-hmm. You go one pound over, they want to charge you. Oh, right. You get this right. and that. Back then, man, everybody. I had a 60-pound garment bag and a 60-pound suitcase 
and the computer bag and the trumpet. Mm -hmm. I think I had a microwave in there or something. I don't know, man. <laughs> but we, we had all the comforts at home. But we were out on the road 30 to 40 weeks, man. I, I, yeah. I wanted to be comfortable, and everybody had all this stuff. But, uh, but um, I had to fly from somewhere in the middle cornfield, Louisiana, to Billings, Montana, to meet the band. Mm -hmm. Frank Foster called Neil Slater at North Texas looking for a lead player. Me and Frank Green were the lead players. Oh, yeah. In, in the one o'clock. He played lead and I played second one year. The next year, I played lead and he played second. Mm -hmm. And Frank is now the official lead player. Mm -hmm. So Neil recommended me. I was probably the most loyal at, at that time to. Mm -hmm. to to Neil mm -hmm. and uh, I knew you know how to play the game you know mm -hmm. and uh, and I always had a had a little bit of problem a guilt about being a white guy in a black history band oh so the only thing about that that kept me from feeling too bad mm -hmm. Basie hired a bunch of white lead players hell he had Polly Cone. Who is if if you're gonna play any of that uh, Buck Clayton stuff, some of that forty stuff, nobody could beat Polly. Mm -hmm. Polly was there. He hired Lynn Buck Viviano, and uh, he had Dave Stahl. Um, Zabo was back there. Um, John Thomas. Mm -hmm. He had at one point he had. Thought that he needed two lead players, and they were both white guys. Mm -hmm. So I said, "Okay, so it's 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 not a racial issue, but my whole career was based on black music history, mm -hmm. and I was proud to be be that mm -hmm. be that, you mm -hmm. know." So um, so I got the call. Neil Slater in Neil's way. Those who know Neil we're in uh, uh, Buffalo, New York. The phone rings, and I'm there in the Miller Band with my two roommates. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, you see, in the Basie Band, you had your own room, you know. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that's another story. <clears throat> phone rings. Mike, yeah, Neil Slater. Hey, Neil. Hey, Frank Frost is going to call you. Really? Tell him you want seven hundred fifty a week. Oh, okay. All right, click. <laughs> he called me, and I said, "All right," and. Uh, Dick Gerhardt with the Miller Band. Mm -hmm. I told him, Dick, man, they want me there in 12 days. That's not a full two weeks traditional right. honorary notice. Right. You know, they want me there in 12 days. Can you please let me go with, with your blessing? Mm -hmm. Well, I think you really should stay here and blossom as a lead player. I'm thinking, let's see. I'm thinking, I think I'll go there and blossom as a lead player. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, holy moly, man. Well, he didn't want to have to go through the, the turmoil of finding a replacement. Uh, no problem. Man, the turnover rate in that band, they get great players, but when you're on the Miller Band, you're, on, you're out there still close to 50 weeks a year. When you're on the Miller Band, you don't have to have a car, a house, and if you have a family, mm -hmm. you're probably not going to have it anymore if you stay out wow. there. Yeah. That's yeah. why back in the, the old days, they used to say, 
let's see, like in the 50s or whatever, if you're on the road, and they weren't working all the time, all the time. Mm -hmm. Even the Basie Band was out there, mm -hmm. 52 weeks, you mm -hmm. know. The divorce rate was 100%. Yeah. If you were overseas and you wanted to talk to your wife, you had to go down to the post office, wherever overseas, get in oh, line, get your $20 so you can buy minutes and get on the phone mm -hmm. and you get five minutes. Mm -hmm. Okay, like I got a great family and all that, you know, so I'm in Japan for a couple of weeks. So I get up in my room in Japan, get up my computer and Skype them for free. Sure. You know, it ain't like it used to be, you know, so you can have a life on the road. Um, but, uh, what a great ride, you know? And uh, so, I'm, I'm lost on the timeline. You said they had kind of held you oh, yeah, uh, yeah. as a fourth player so, for a while. So, what happened? They got me. They said, okay, man, my first gig was in Billings, Montana. Oh, that, I, went, I went down the side road and got lost, okay, back <laughs> on the road. Billings, Montana. I show up there scared to death. Mm hmm. I'll, I'll tell you right now, I was scared to death for the first five years. Wow. I would wake up, and I feel like I had the flu from just, oh, my God, what am I doing here? This is such an important lead, lead chair, and, and, and this and that, and why am I here, you know? But well, you were doing it. I mean, you were... Well, I was doing it, and I was getting better all the time. The last 10 years in the band, I felt like Michael Jordan. You know, <laughs> they, they used to... To, to love to watch Michael Jordan because he when he would come out <laughs> to play it, it, it was not like he was focused. He was like, this is what I like to do. Man, I would get up there, and I knew from experience that I was going to kill it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I'm not being arrogant or anything. No, I'm no. just saying from experience, sure. I knew at this point that I could do two 90-minute shows per night six nights in a row, mm -hmm. and start strong and end strong. Mm -hmm. It didn't start that way. <laughs> I mean, I did, but I, I, I was really practicing But with a lot hard. of anxiety, too, oh, right? My. So they hired me. They said, all right, you're in. So I'm in there. The first gig was, I know the second gig was a four-hour dance, a mm -hmm. lot of music. And I knew. I was listening to Maynard Ferguson and <laughs> Bill Chase and... Don Ellis with all the cats at North Texas, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. man. And the basic thing is different. And Sonny Cohn, who had already been there 30 years, my first gig. Okay, Mike. Now, when I lean forward, it means something's about to happen. <laughs> Which means it was going to be, instead of, it was going to, you know, that classic. Yeah, right. Oh, and the people say, oh, yeah, quarter note triplets, yeah, do, do, dot. I said, no, it's not quarter note triplets. You can't write it. It just goes, boo, do, dot, instead of, da, 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 you know. Something's going to happen. So Sonny really helped me. And uh, there was not a lot of vibing going on in the band. I mm -hmm. think they were just happy to have somebody there mm -hmm. that was going to stay. Was but, the rest of that section pretty uh, steady? Was there much turnover? Oh, not back then. No. 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 But uh, sure enough, I was there for a week. Okay, yeah, okay. I like it here. 
Byron's show got canceled. So, oh, no, now no. what do we do? So they said, they had a meeting. I didn't know this. I knew later that Bill mm -hmm. Hughes was a big influence on keeping me. So we mm -hmm. need to keep this boy down there. We need to hold on to him so we don't keep running around because right. they didn't think Byron was going to stay, you know. Right. And uh, sure enough, man, they fired Sweet Willie Singleton from New Orleans. <laughs> Bye, Willie. They sent him home and put me on the fourth. So uh, I learned a new you. trumpet trick. I had to play fourth trumpet, and most of that music of the fourth trumpet book stayed right at the bottom of the stacks. Yeah, right. And then Byron <laughs> would throw me like bassy power that went high G's and A's. Right. So I learned to do both, sounding the same. Yeah. That was a really strange trick on how to keep your chops from getting spread, right. get your aperture like huge right. to play that, and then have to do all of that. And it was pretty cool because they, I don't think they ever had a fourth trumpet player like that. Mm -hmm. A lot of times in the band, the fourth trumpet player is a great soloist that's sitting there playing his part, just waiting to play his solo, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is 5% of, right. of the gig or right. whatever. I'd be back there playing stuff and uh, Eric Dixon, be turning around and Johnny Williams. We never heard that part before. Oh man! <laughs> so I was, I was like booting it out, you yeah, know. Yeah. And uh, sure enough, that was in '87 and '89 in the middle of the Dizzy tour. Mm -hmm. Byron left, and I just scooted right over, you mm -hmm. know. And who did uh, they bring in for fourth at that point? Melton Mustafa. Mm -hmm. Holy moly! Florida's own. Recorded with Jocko, played with Bobby Watson. Mm -hmm. Melton would bring the house down every night on his solo on Corner Pocket. Oh, yeah? He played kind of, and in and, and, and the style of the band back in the day, <clears throat> you kind of played a solo, and if that solo worked, you played the same solo. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember Sonny Cohn would, would go down and just nail Shiny Stockings. Played the same solo every night, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And Melton would do this thing. Yeah, but it's the first time the audience has heard it, right? Well, kind of. I mean, I new guess. to them. <laughs> but, uh, um, so, uh, yeah, Melton. One of the best trumpet section I was ever in, right around that time. And after Sonny left, Sonny... Cone left in about 90 or 91, I'm thinking. Um, they brought in Derek Gardner. So it was me, Bobby Ojeda, Derek Gardner, and Melton Mustafa. And that was probably the best trumpet section hmm. that I played with in the Basie band mm -hmm. consistently. Not because everybody was better this or better that, we were working, still working 30 weeks a year. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's a great trumpet section in there right now, but you can't beat a, a road band. There's no, there's nothing you can do that's gonna make you sound like a band, a trumpet section that plays together mm -hmm. 20 to 30 weeks a year. Mm -hmm. It ain't gonna happen. And that's why when I go out and do 
lead trumpet, guest lead trumpet performances, mm -hmm. and they pull out Shiny Stockings, Little Darling, and God forbid, Blues and Haas Flat, which is, people know as Blues and Frankie's Flat. Mm -hmm. Blues and Haas Flat. And they said, we want to do it like the Basie Band. I said, it ain't going to happen. It, we just played the notes on the page oh. and just hope for the best. Because you don't have, you didn't have that. You, you're not going to be able to do it, all right? Yeah. We don't have the time, all right? The shout to Blues and Haas Flat. I can't tell you the words. I really can't tell you. You can, you can, and I, I promise I'll edit it out, but I, I really want to know. Okay, I will. This is the way it was written by Frank Foster. The shout. Oh, that tripping thing? Mm -hmm. No, and Mike, it doesn't go like this. It goes like this. So I promised Mike that I would edit that part out, and I have. And if you want to hear the lyrics that he just sang to me, they're about as funny as they can be, uh, but I couldn't put them in. So you'll have to ask him directly um, what those were. I can't do it for you. Now, back to the interview. And if you can think of those words, then you can That's play perfect. it. And uh, they recorded it several different ways. And one one thing about the basic band also is if you say, oh, no, this tune goes at this tempo. Oh, no, they do this. I'll find another recording of Basie and prove you totally wrong. <laughs> I will. Things evolve. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Things, you know, they, they do things in a studio that they haven't had on the road with them yet. And over the time, you know, this is with all bands, you know, you go out there and things evolve, things settle down. Yeah. Sometimes things go the other way. Mm hmm. When I when I MF porn too. That changed my life. Yeah, right. When I heard that shit, man, good God. And then I go out and I get up and then they're going Well that was impressive. And you know, they were probably bored doing it the other way, but you know, I kinda preferred it that way. Boom, boom, boom. When they do Birdman, oh, yeah. I kind of like that group. But when you go after five years later and they're still doing boom, boom, it kind of got, right. got along, you right. know? That, but that happens with a lot of the tunes. But mm -hmm. uh, And that was another thing about that, that Basie band, man. I think you go out and play with them and they want to do it the Basie way. I said, listen, we'll just phrase it here and do this and that, but forget about that layback thing. Because all you're going to do is turn it into quarter note triplets and you're going to drag. You know? <laughs> and drummer, would you stop it? What was he doing? We go out and, the, and, and we're going to do a bassy thing and we're going to, all right, definitely, we're going to go, ah, uh, the, all right. We're going to boo, boo, do, da, ba. Oh, right, right. Okay, so you got on the drummer, he said, oh, yeah, I'm hip to it. And then the drummer goes, boo, 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 boo. No, he ruined it. <laughs> you have to, and Butch nailed this. Yeah. My, the, the 10 favorite years that I had with the Basie Band is when Butch came back. 
I really hadn't even met Butch. I had seen him at conventions and stuff thinking, oh my God, that's Butch Miles, you know. Mm -hmm. Oh, he still got his basic jacket, <laughs> you know. Butch came in, hello, how you doing, Mike? Yeah, Butch, yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. cool. Sat down, I knew exactly what he was gonna do before he did it, and he knew exactly what I was gonna <laughs> do. And we knew how to do it, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. It was like love at first sight or whatever, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, so when we go boo, boo, doo, da, bop, he just keeps playing time but gets out of the way. Mm -hmm. And I hope a lot of drummers listen to this and, and don't try to be hip and, and, and yeah. go with the band. Yeah. <laughs> That's great advice, though. It is. Stay out of the way. I mean, that you know, that goes for conductors. Oh, <laughs> don't too, get right? me started with conductors. <laughs> you know the best... I, I, I judge a few jazz festivals, not many. Maybe I'll do more since I'm not. You got to book those things in a year in advance, and mm -hmm. I couldn't do that with, with the bass band. I said, I don't know, I'm kind of. Could you wait two months out? No, we need the contract now. I didn't sub out once in 31 years. You got to be kidding! I didn't sub out one time. Holy cow! I'm not saying I turned down millions of dollars worth of work, but I turned down a lot of work because sure. of this. And I was very lucky. So I said, can you wait like two months before the, the gig to see if we have a basic thing? Only once did I screw somebody up. Mm -hmm. Only once. The rest of the time I was pretty lucky because we weren't working that much, you know? Mm -hmm. And, uh, oh, Lord. Welcome to the middle of the episode. Just a reminder that this podcast is brought to you with the support of Messina Covers. They offer some standard and custom designs of trumpet bags, mouthpiece pouches, and more. And their customer service is excellent. Be sure to check them out at www.messinacovers.net. And now, back to the interview. So you went into the Basie Band. I mean, you'd already heard the band. I mean, you knew the charts, I would imagine. The, the most important charts. Them. The book was this thick. My fingers are registering six inches. Everybody had this many charts in the book. Jeez. And it got down to like just as many as we were going to play on the tour oh. because of overweight mm -hmm. back in the day. Mm -hmm. Oh, the Asia band? We'll waive the overweight, you know? So, what'd you ask? It was. Um, well, yeah, if you knew the charts before you were familiar oh, with the, the band. No, that's one reason I was scared to death. I didn't even know where to start in this book. Learn it, look, look at all this stuff. Oh, little darling, oh yeah, blah, blah, blah. Oh, oh yeah, shiny, yeah. Well, there's all those other charts, you know. So I had the luxury of being able to stay on the band long enough mm -hmm. where I could learn all those charts. Mm -hmm. And even though I knew them, I always got my music up. <laughs> I, I think it's a, a like, maybe a respect, or if I were to cat, you know, have a heart attack and die, they actually wouldn't have to stop playing. They could, you know, somebody, somebody look, over. Look, look over, you know. <laughs> but I got on the sunny cone. Well, wait a second. So they would rather finish the tune than make sure that you're okay? <laughs> Bring them back to well, life? Well, they had the option. <laughs> sunny cone, who had been there 30 years, would never get his book out. He just mm. sat there and played. Oh, that reminds This is a great one. Once we were, when we were still working a good bit, this, okay, this was Grover Mitchell, so we were working about 20 weeks a year. And we were working, we had an eight-week hiatus, hiatus, 
some people call it. Mm -hmm. We had to go. Unemployed, that's what that means, right? Unemployment <laughs> against New York, baby. Yeah. $330 a week. Mm. Um, the NAJE, I believe it was still the NAJ, mm -hmm. in New Orleans, we're going to go there and play in front of 2,000 music educators and students mm -hmm. who knew the book, right? The next day, we're flying to Zurich with the New York Voices. Mm -hmm. Kim Nazarian was pregnant. I mean, her, her kid is like this big now. Oh, my God, that was a long time ago. Um, we get down there. We haven't worked in eight weeks. Mm -hmm. We get there. It's time to set up in one of the ballrooms and wherever it was down in New Orleans. And the trumpet music was not there. All None the, of the books? All the trumpet music was not there. Okay, I'll cut to the end. The trumpet music spent the night on the tarmac. Oh my gosh. <laughs> fell off the truck. Oh no. Okay? The trumpet music made it to Zurich. That was our really concern. Wow. You know, so we get there, and they're setting up, and Grover said, all right, here's a set, you know. And I'm saying, Grover, we don't have any trumpet music at all, and we haven't played in eight weeks. Mm -hmm. No concert with the basic band in eight weeks. All right, help me get this, get this straight here. All right, we're going to open up with this. I said, okay. And then second, we're going to, and I go, hey, wait a minute. I'm going to call the whole night. I'm going to do what I want to do. Oh, no. Oh, Grover, no, I don't think we can do that one. So I basically <laughs> let Grover pick a killing concert mm -hmm. of the stuff that we would be familiar with. Sure. Okay? So they go to set up. We have stand fronts, you know, Count Basie Orchestra. Right. Uh, bones, And they had the risers where we were totally visible, not mm -hmm. like just sitting on the same plane. They put up the trumpet stands and said, oh, we don't have music. We don't need stands. Could you please take the stands down, please? So this is what the audience saw. The trumpets up there, sitting in chairs with nothing in front of them but the trumpet stand and mutes, and we killed it. And those that were at that concert were just like, wow, we, you know. But you guys, I mean, it's, it's obvious. You, you knew those charts inside and out. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> I had a few. I was about ninety-five percent. <laughs> <laughs> that's the. That's amazing, though. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I've seen that as as bands come around. You know, I mean, you do. Well, the show back enough. in the old days. Yeah. And they had this little thing. Remember the little stands that were like. They were still at a slant, but they were only six inches high yeah, and right. they sat on the floor. Those were kids, man. You'd need reading glasses or something. These days to do that, I, I couldn't see it at all, mm -hmm, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was a good one. So the music caught up to you eventually? Yeah, they found it the next morning. It was on the tarmac. <laughs> Had dew on it, you know, set out all night. Mm -hmm. Went to Zurich. It must have been Delta, right? <laughs> no comment. Yeah, well, they, they just left my bag in Indianapolis when I was coming down here to Miami, but that's okay. I've had I'll problems them. with them all. <laughs> So, wow, 31 years. And, you know, I mean, a great career, obviously, with that band. But uh, when you were home, were you 
doing other bands on other one-off gigs, anything like yeah. that? Yeah. Now, when I was in Shreveport... Because <clears throat> you live in Michigan right now, I, right? I got married. I almost made it. I almost... I, my motto was, some men were meant to walk alone. <laughs> and I figured I would die just a hermit, you know? Yeah. My logo was, you know, that, that thing in Arizona that's got the cactus, saguaro oh, right. thing? Right. With the, the, the coyote with a, a, a bandana, the, the rag going, ooh. Yeah. My money clip is still that. That was my logo <laughs> for my life. Yeah. 47 years old, this, this girl playing lead trumpet in this uh, NAACP, a uh, bunch of little, little bitty inner, inner school black guys, little scrawny guys and in, in, uh, in Flint mm -hmm. and uh, Amanda this adult big white girl sitting in the middle of all of them but um, we played in Saginaw and this band played before us and uh, and they did a great job you know and I'm thinking she looks so out of place you know and uh so, no, I'm just subbing in here. I'm helping out because, you know, the lead player thing. Mm -hmm. So my, my, my wife's a trumpet player. Mm -hmm. She was studying with Armando Guitar when she was 12. Wow. She's always had a good sound and all that. So um, she grabbed me and slowed me down at 47. Okay. But before then, those first 15 years, when I would be off the road in Shreveport, I played in the Bill Cosby band. We call it Super Sound. A one night, Monday night, four-hour gig at the at the uh, at the casino. That was a new thing down there. Mm -hmm. An occasional show, not mm -hmm. a whole lot. So I had a lot of time to practice and a lot of motivation to practice. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't go back out on the road and have to apologize. That's a, I never subbed out in 31 years, and I never. Got to the first gig and said, could you give me a couple of days? Just be patient. Get your chops back I said, up. said, no, that ain't going right. to happen. I'm going to go out there. And it was, you mm -hmm. know, as, as well as I could do. Um, so I w wasn't really teaching either. So, I mean, I was living the dream. I was living out in the woods with my mom. I lived in a 250-square-foot building that she had put back behind the barn with an air conditioner. I had no bills. Mm-hmm. Shoved all my money into mutual funds, and in the nineties, all that tripled, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, practice usually about an hour and a half a day, mm -hmm. average. And I just hunted, fish, mowed the yard. What kind of hunting? Bird hunting? Rabbit? Squirrel? Squirrel? Yeah. Like a little twenty-two. Yeah, twenty-two for fun, or a twelve gauge if I really <laughs> needed to get it done. <laughs> So, you know, I got to yeah, make but, a stupid when, night. I but when you use a shotgun, you got to pick the pellets out of the meat, you know, as you're... You know, yeah. that's funny because only Southern people know this. <clears throat> you're eating squirrel, and what goes, dink. Nobody knows that unless they're from the South and they've eaten yeah. squirrel. Well, you're spitting out the buckshot. That, 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 well, that number six shot. These little oh, number six. Shot like that. Yeah. And it falls out. That's so funny. <laughs> so, yeah. It See, was, Mom fed us squirrel. We didn't know it. Ah, but dad, dad hunted, oh, yeah. and uh, we we were fed a lot of things that probably we were told it was chicken. 
Squirrel is really good meat, and uh, mm -hmm. you people can't, you know, get past it. It's a rodent. We call them tree rats, which is, you know, pretty much true. Yeah. And, uh, oh, we ate a lot of that because me and my daddy went hunting a lot. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I lived in the woods down in Stonewall, Louisiana during that very 15 years before I mm -hmm. met Amanda. I start to, I'm hearing your accent now. As you're oh, about, I'll never give up my Louisiana accent. Yeah, but it's getting thicker the more you talk about Louisiana. Well, hell yeah. <laughs> but I was in the woods. I would get, I would get my, my dad's Remington 1100, get three or four 12 gauge number six shot. And in five minutes, I was under my favorite tree. Mm -hmm. And that was so peaceful back then. I would I would get up really early and sometimes just sit under the tree and 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 watch the the sun come up, being in the woods, mm -hmm. hearing all the sounds. And and if a squirrel was stupid enough to come along, well, I'm gonna go back with the squirrel. Sure. <laughs> yeah, that was it. That that part of my life was being single. Holy moly, with no bills because I lived in that tiny place. For I think I, it was thirteen years. Oh my gosh! I paid three thousand dollars for that. So, I, and I and I tapped into my mom's phone line. Mm -hmm. The the phone company said, "Sure, we don't care." Mm -hmm. You know, I had no bills. Mm -hmm. There was a window unit, the air conditioner. Yeah. Yeah, you got to have that in Louisiana, right? Oh, you better. Yeah. That was great. Now I'm soccer dad. I'm Cub Scout dad. I'm cooking. I'm cleaning the litter, litter box. Back then, I would do something. I, I used to do three things. I would practice, maybe go to the store, maybe do some yard work. I would do three things. Now I'm going seven to seven at night, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. family. But it's great mm -hmm. because I was I was awful lonely back then too. Mm -hmm. Sure, having to go to bed at night. And I didn't even have a bed for thirteen years. I slept in my uh, lazy boy recliner. Good grief! I think the last two years I actually bought a cot. I was so tight. I said, oh, "Okay, I was going to splurge. I'm going to spend a hundred dollars on a cot, a roll away, because it was so <laughs> little. I had to put everything away, you yeah. know." Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, for. The best part of a decade, I slept in my Lazy Boy recliner. Wow. Yep. How long have you been in Michigan? About 15 years. Mm -hmm. uh, August 6th coming up will be mm -hmm. my 2004 to 19, mm -hmm. 15 years. Mm -hmm. yeah. Regular day now, uh, you know, what kind of pace do you put yourself through with, uh, with the trumpet? Well, I'm changing the game a little bit. Being in the basic band for that long, especially the last, I think I said, five or ten years, I felt like Michael Jordan. It was just fun. Mm -hmm. I knew what was going to happen. Sure. I knew I wasn't going to go up there and say, what's wrong with my chops? Well, history told me that there wasn't going to be anything wrong if I did this and this and mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. I was in a comfort zone. Mm -hmm. Well, what happens when you're in a comfort zone? You feel nice and comfortable, but what happens? Yeah, you back off a little Stop bit. Stop growing. Yeah. So I knew, okay, this is going to be really hard. I'm not going to be in my comfort zone. I want to play lead. Okay, I want to go out probably a half a dozen times a year, more or less, hopefully more coming up, and be able to get in front of the big band 
not lead, and play eight to ten features. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a typical concert would be Doc's Heavenson begin the beginning. That's a great okay. chart. That's a great chart. Um, I'd love to open with that. It's a great opener. Mm-hmm. Mate, oh, oh, let's get the Doc Severinsen things over with. His Georgia <laughs> is a really good one. Not a lot of high notes. Um, St. Louis Blues is a good one because you blow at the beginning, you, you blow at the end, and in the middle of the band's blowing. And then we get to the Maynard. Okay. Rocky and MacArthur Park. Everybody still wants to hear MacArthur Park. Sure. It is so, I mean, it's a It's ti- a great tune. It's, a, it's time, that chart is timeless. And that 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 oh it's it's just a gut wrenching mm-hmm. you know emotional, so Rocky MacArthur Park, um, then there's some of the uh, Wayne Bergeron stuff mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. maybe Beauty and the Beast this and that mm-hmm. maybe some more Maynard would be People Maria oh, right okay I always do <clears throat> People or Maria, um, the Spirit of Saint. Frederick, I'm kind of adding back there because it's a, a little funky. Man, that album, yeah, that was a left turn. It was for him. It? But I remember, it, and yes, yeah, it was Spirit of Saint Frederick and Star. I mean, there were some other mm-hmm. really different, <laughs> really different tunes on that. Yeah, when he he did take a turn at some point, but the recordings, the arrangements, the playing was still impeccable. Oh yeah. So I would do eight to ten features of that, buddy. You got to have some chops to do th- yeah. those things. There's, I'm not coasting. Yeah, there's no coasting charts, yeah. so I don't do them all in a row. I'll, the the people at band directors say, "Yeah, we thought about doing this." Oh, whoa, 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 whoa! No, I tell you, no, no, we're not playing. I'm not playing before Maria. Mm-hmm. Whatever happens before Maria, you're gonna be playing by yourself. Mm-hmm. Because I'm not going to get caught with my pants down. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it'll happen. You have to be careful. Mm-hmm. And uh, so. Were you ever a fan of Derek Watkins, British trumpet player? Great respect. I don't remember just listening to him tons and tons and tons, but he was the guy. It, you mentioned MacArthur Park, and there's a terrific video of him playing that. He's got a good one. Oh. Doc Severinsen's got a fabulous mm-hmm. one, and it goes on forever, you know. Yeah, but that 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 MacArthur Park. Yeah, so while while I'm at home, and now I'm not in my comfort zone. I'm trying to step up my game. I'm trying to say I have to practice two and a half hours a day. Um. That's the rules, and if I'm going to play the game, I'm going to have to play by the rules. Because mm-hmm. if I'm going to do what I want to do. I think it's going to take at least that. Now, some trumpet players say you only need an hour to hour and a half a day. Some trumpet players just seem to have it figured out. Some trumpet players say, I need to play several hours a day or I can't make it. Well, everybody's got to figure out how it mm-hmm. works for them. I kind of wonder about uh, those people that say it only takes an hour and a half. I'm not sure they're being honest, I think. Well, you know, it might take an hour and a half for what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Here, you go play these eight features. And tell me how it works out, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know? So, and that's, that's been a really hard change right now because I get like a, a typical, typical day that I, what I have to do is get up 
I usually wake up at 6.30 and wait for the alarm to go off at 7 so I can say, okay, Wyatt, let's go. Let's get to school. <laughs> Stella, come on. Let's get up. Okay, we're leaving at 7.45. We go to take day Kim. All right, Stella, y'all eating in the back seat? Don't get crumbs in the car, all right? Okay, we drive around to get Stella to Montessori at 8.30. Okay, Stella, see you at 11.30. All right. And then I come home and I... Uh, now practice, and then I got to go get her, mm-hmm. and then we might have lunch, daddy daughter date, and then I've got to clean house and and cook and do all of this stuff. So between all of that, I need to get in two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of hard. Sure. So most days I fail, but I think I'm uh, I'm going to get better to where I can make it such a routine that it's a lot easier. Mm-hmm. I've always liked to practice, but not. That much like the Doc Sevenson or, or, or the or, or the Arturos, <laughs> right. you know, or John Faddis. You know, John Faddis is such a talent. He's just such a natural player. I said, go tell John Faddis that, and he'll, he'll probably tell you about the eleven hours a day he put in. <laughs> There's the talent, right? You know, right. So, so. Uh, I have something to live for <laughs> besides the family. You know what, though? This is, this is great because everybody I've interviewed to this point, everybody, regardless of where they are in their career, it's like, I want to learn more. I want to keep growing. And I you think got to, man. If, if you ever get to that point, and I've thought about this myself as, as a teacher, if I ever get to the point where I feel like, eh, I'm there, I, I need to be doing something else. You see, I don't think I could survive. I have maybe a kind of a... What do you call it? A self-destructive thing. If I don't have something that I need to be doing, oh, oh. this is what they used to say. Ah, uh, idle time is the devil's workshop. Oh yeah, idle hands. Right. Idle hands is the devil's workshop. Mm-hmm. Duh. They didn't just make that up. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, and with the family now. I'm not lonely anymore. Yeah. And I don't have a lot of idle time. Yeah. So. Yeah, you do. Because that idle time you spend making those little uh, videos you put on Facebook about with the eye twitch. And, oh, and all. that is so, that's so much fun. <laughs> You're so, so much fun. Yeah, yeah. But, um, and, but it, and the thing is, I bet every scout leader out there uh, it, could identify with that. That, that Maybe uh, <laughs> scouting should use that as their uh, promo yeah. way to recruit re- oh <laughs> volunteers. <my> <laughs> So back to the the, to the uh, comfort zone, past the comfort zone, back to, to the no work, okay? Now, I'm working. I play lead in five big bands around Michigan and North Ohio. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that keeps me busy there. And most, some of those, most of the big, big bands... It's not the same chart, so I'm always working on mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. One of the big bands that works the most is the same stuff, but it's the 40 stuff, and I'm learning how to do this this different game. Instead of going do dot da, it ain't no do dot da. Mm-hmm. It's do do do, you know. <laughs> but I have friends my age who are losing it. Chop-wise? Oh, yeah. I don't want to get to that point. Mm-mm. 
Some people call it band director chops. I was a band director three years. Mm-hmm. When I was a band director, seven through 12, one guy mm-hmm. at one school, I never saw the other teachers very much because I would get to school at six, I would get to school before the janitor. I was the, I had to go in and turn the alarm off mm-hmm. at my school. I'd be in the band room and I would practice 30 minutes most days. Mm-hmm. So whatever happens today, I got in 30 minutes sure. for me. Yeah. So, but I mean, it's inevitable. You, you, you know, during the spring, you're gonna not play for a week during festival and mm-hmm. solo and ensemble. But I got friends, oh, I can't use any names, but they had the gig. They were first called to do the shows. Mm-hmm. They were in the studio all the time. They never practiced. They didn't practice. They didn't really have to because they had the gig. So, hey, man, you sound great. How do you do those shows like that? Well, man, I get the music. And I practice it, I learn the show, and I play it over and over and over. And I get to the gig, and it's like water off a duck's back. That's where the term, work hard at being lazy. <laughs> you practice your butt off, so when you get to the gig, you can relax and not worry about mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. Well, what happens when you don't have the show anymore? And this is what happens to a lot of people I know. Right. They don't have the discipline or know what to do to keep their chops up. They had the gig. Mm-hmm. Grover Mitchell, bless his heart. He was one of the first culture mobile. He, he, he led the band for five or ten years, maybe. Mm-hmm. Probably at least somewhere between five to ten years. The cancer got him. But he played lead trombone back in the 60s in the Basie band. Mm-hmm. And he was took care of Basie when he was in the chair and all that. But Grover was known as having that, that dark, Dorsey sweet playing and and he worked a lot in the studios back in LA his pension went when when his pension was three thousand bucks a month so there was a lot of work that he was doing in LA mm-hmm. I'd call him when he was in New York would be off for a while Grover man what's happening God, I'm, I'm just sitting here sitting there with this horn in my hand thinking about warming up so I got mm-hmm. friends right now who are going through a hard time sure. because they're losing it. They're slipping mm-hmm. because they don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. And my whole trumpet practice thing, I, I go through an hour and a half of a routine mm-hmm. before I start practicing any fun stuff. And mm-hmm. man, if I can make it through, and it's hard routine, mm-hmm. maybe... Physically, maybe not, but mentally, extremely difficult because, oh, here I go, man. Here we go, an hour and a half. Don't look at the clock. That second hand goes so slow. And if I can make it through that hour and a half and actually start practicing on some lead parts or something, it's like, oh, God, this is so fun now. I'm I'm playing a song, you know. So, and like right now, people, it's funny at this convention. This is what I hear. How's retirement? I said, oh, man, stop it. You know I'm not retired. I didn't say that to you. I knew you were still busy. Right I've now, seen the pictures. Was... my trumpet is down in the booth, mm-hmm. and I have 30, at least 30 lead charts sitting down there that I've got to play in two bands mm-hmm. this month. Mm-hmm. 
And I haven't even gotten the music for the Detroit Jazz Festival. We're, we're backing up Danilo Perez. Oh, I'm drawing a blank. Mm. The, uh, really a Takata t a piano player, Danilo. And uh, I'm not playing all any lead as far as I know because Walter White. You know, when Walter White oh, yeah. moved back to Detroit, that was... That was it. I mm -hmm. wasn't in their club. Mm -hmm. I played it in these big bands, but he gets all the goody gigs, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. You know, I play some Four Tops and Temptations and OJ's, mm -hmm. but not Hugh Jackman and The Who. Yeah, you know, he's on the Facebook. Yeah, <laughs> saw a picture of you and Roger playing together not that long ago. That was a very interesting gig. The, I played lead trumpet in the Toledo Jazz Orchestra. They hired Roger to come down to be the guest artist. Yeah. And I'm saying, I'm looking at Ron Kistjot, the leader, said, Ron, oh, they, they want somebody out of town. Anybody that's a core member doesn't count. I said, I was just kind of trying to bust his balls a little bit. <laughs> but I said, I, you won't even let me go out and play Maria? What the hell? <laughs> so Roger comes down, and he has <clears> one <throat> feature, an arrangement written for him on, like, Something like Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Not mm -hmm. that that mm -hmm. one. Uh, uh, something else, maybe. And um, Skyfall, was it? No. Yeah. But, right, and he said, okay, Mike, what, uh, Roger's going to be playing lead. He's, he's going to be hired as the, the guest artist playing lead. So he sits down there in the lead chair, and he says, okay, we're not going to use this. And so I want you to play second. Are you cool with that? I said, well, hell yeah, you know. I don't want to sit next. I want to sit next to Roger and, and hear what he's doing. Mm -hmm. You know, right next to him. We get there. He's only playing one feature, but he's playing featured on lead mm -hmm. and all of this stuff. And it was a Beatles tune concert too. Mm -hmm. I remember playing a bunch of Beatles arrangements. <laughs> Some of them were good. Mm -hmm. And uh, Roger says, "Oh no, no. We're going to split the lead, and we're not even going to pick and choose. I'm going to play." This chart, the second tune we're going to play, Mike's playing lead. Mm -hmm. Then I'm third, he's fourth, mm -hmm. and that's the way it went. We had the best time. <laughs> had the best time. Seeing how each other did, yeah. did their stuff. Yeah. yeah. I talked to Roger a few weeks ago, interviewed him, and uh, he's having a blast too, you know. I mean, he's... He's working he, every seven well, days a week. that too, but he's also working on projects, you know, doing these this uh, play-along duet. Hey, he's thing. here at the convention, the, the, the guy... Uh, yeah, Josh Rezepka, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I asked Roger if he's going to come down. He goes, uh, I spent my time in Miami when I was in school. He goes, but I'm not in school anymore. So do you think I'm going to go there in July? No oh. chance. <laughs> yeah, he knows. He knows the deal. Yeah. Vicky. Yeah. Oh, what she's a, fantastic. What a gold mine. What a gold mine. Oh, my gosh. Man, I can't thank you enough for the time. I mean, I'm sure you've got much more to share, but uh, I'll respect your yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. I want to let you go and get back to the booth, but uh, I got to go get my mouthpiece from Terry. He's got the Play-Doh, trying to make a model of it. Mm -hmm. so can... Yeah. Well, this has been fun. It's been fun for me to. to, oh, I've, to I've had a blast to, listening to relive some of those memories. Yeah. Well, I'm sure the listeners are going to enjoy this too. So, thank you so much for sharing the time. Well, thanks for having me, man. Thank you again for listening to today's interview. I hope you enjoyed your time here, and please come back for more interviews. Be sure to share the news of this podcast with friends and colleagues, and give me a rating on whatever platform you get your podcasts from. 
Thanks again to Messina Covers for co-sponsoring this podcast. Don't forget that you too can be a supporter. Check out how at www.patreon.com slash studio HFL. And one more reminder that you can sign up to receive news via email regarding new episodes, merchandise, and more by going to palmusic.net and clicking on the subscribe to newsletter link. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you come back for more great interviews.